0: Hi, I'm Keetana and I'm Sarika. This is the Dialogue Book Club, where we read old books for nostalgia purposes and see if they hold up. So today's book uh, for today's episode is Jinx, uh, a book that I had read ages and ages ago when I was a teenager and completely forgot about until I spoke to Sarika about it fairly recently, I feel.
1: Yeah, because we're talking about Meg Calvert books in general.
0: Yeah, and then I was very surprised that Sarika hadn't read this book at all. Um, so I'd be really interested actually to hear how she feels about this book a little more into this episode. Um, but would you like to summarize this book?
1: So Jinx is actually Jean, and she moves from Iowa, a rural town in Iowa, to New York at the beginning of the book to go stay with her aunt, uncle and her cousins because something bad happened in Iowa and she's trying to distance herself from it. So she meets her cousins, she meets her cousin's friends, uh, gets a bit of a crush on this guy, because it's Meg Cabot. And then almost immediately, like on the day she arrives, she gets into an accident and then her cousin approaches her and is like, you're a witch, I knew you were a witch. And Jean is just like, what are you on about? And the cousin's like, you got into that accident because you were saving him. From a danger that you could not have foreseen unless you were a witch. And Gina's just like, I literally have no idea what you're on about. Please leave me alone. So she is new in New York. She makes friends with the guy. She deals with her cousin whenever her cousin tries to cause mischief.
0: Uh, mischief. What is this (laughs) Scooby-Doo? It's
1: what she's doing. Okay, She and this boy decide to go to the dance together. Uh, Her cousin also is going after a week or so of pretending to be friends with her again. So Jean is like, great, maybe I have my cousin back. And she turns up at the dance with this guy who is the exact guy that Jean was running away from in Iowa. And she basically makes Jean sound really crazy to all their friends, humiliates her, and Jean runs away crying. And then in the middle of the night, she notices basically a cousin and her friends who all also think they're witches, uh, are doing this ritual under the full moon. A
0: blood magic ritual.
1: The cousin is called Tori, by the way. Torrance. Tori. Torrance. And Tori's like, uh, I need to drink Jean's blood so that I can become a stronger witch <laughs> and absorb her powers. <laughs> uh, she is... She tries, she does everything she can to get out of it, but she's ultimately saved by the cute guy, whose name is Zach. After that, the story wraps up and, you know, Tori is dealt with. She is shipped off to rural Iowa herself.
0: Where she joins the military, if I'm not wrong. Like some sort of army school, like a very strict school or something. Yeah, I think it's just like a
1: military school for troubled teens kind of thing like they sent Adam to in sex education in season two yes yes and Jean and Zach are very happy now and that is the end how was my summary
0: not a bad summary um there's a lot of magic and mayhem of course left out of this summary but yeah I'm trying to keep it succinct
1: and learn my lesson
0: yeah from new moon I think though all the magic and mayhem that I mentioned is much more better appreciated if you read the book yourself. Um, I think anything that anything that I or Sarka say do uh, help you understand will not do justice.
1: Yeah, because it's not like she. Referred... It's not like
0: Harry Potter, Wingardium Leviosa magic.
1: Yeah, where there's that's really built into the world, I and mean, then she does reference different systems of magic. Um but it's very much that she doesn't explain it.
0: I mean it's kind of natural magic in that sense. Like it's sort of like I don't know a typical sort of shaman style, you know, where you're kind of trying to ward off evil or you're um essentially trying to make sure there's still luck or good fortune. Uh, It kind of feels like that. It's, yeah. it's kind of nice, actually, that um, it feels it, fairly natural.
1: I guess it feels more, if you're going to make this comparison, this analogy, it's more like being spiritual versus being religious, in that it's just, mm. there is no name given to it. She doesn't explain it much. She just does these things and it works.
0: Yeah, and of course, there is some specialty in the sense that it has to be from, like, a certain it's it's heritable to some like to an extent so Hmm. I think that's the special part but other than that I like that it wasn't this outstanding thing and it was just fairly normal
1: you know what though I have to say I was kind of underwhelmed by the magic in the book because you and I have read Meg Cabot books before we've both read the Mediator series we know that if Meg Cabot decides there are magic fantasy whatever, supernatural elements supernatural elements in her stories she goes all in
0: mm.
1: and this one in comparison felt half-hearted to me because I kept thinking that okay it's going to turn out that the, neither of them are witches the witch thing isn't real um she because there are, a lot of the plot around her witchy powers is that she doesn't embrace them because she's scared of it because her big thing is that uh she thinks she's had bad luck all her life and that's why she has this nickname jinx so uh she doesn't embrace her powers because she thinks it gives her bad luck essentially so i thought the real point of the story was she never had powers she just didn't believe in herself she didn't embrace herself something like that and then it would be resolved and then it turned out oh no she actually has some sort of witchy powers like when Branwen appeared to her as a ghost I was like oh okay so we are doing the witch storyline then but it just it doesn't feel like good juicy supernatural stuff like like we know Meg Cabot can do.
0: I mean and I get the comparison but I don't know if we should necessarily compare the two books because one they're two different plot lines um Hmm. And in this case, she's, that's what I said, like the magic just feels a bit more natural. It's not like um, this wildly new thing or um, like you need to go to a school to learn how to uh, use this magic appropriately and all of that. It's stuff that like, it's like those simple enchantments, like those simple, um, you know, things that like, I don't know, in India, you have this thing, right? Like you put uh, lemon and uh, chilies outside your door and you can ward off evil. Um, you uh, Dream catchers. You put dream catchers and it wards off nightmares. Um, so it kind of feels like that. Like It feels like those regular sort of um, protections. Like, for example, again, India, Buri Nazar, the whole thing of like evil eye. We have those black threads that we tie um, mm. that wards off those, that evil eye thing. Um, so it just kind of feels like those superstitions. Um, so I think it's very very easy to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Easy to digest because of that. And it doesn't feel like this whole new thing to That's learn about. True. It doesn't
1: so, feel... That, that is true it doesn't require a lot of other explanation and I don't mean to compare it to mediator it's just
0: <laughs>
1: like that like I said that was the closest <laughs> example of Meg Cabot's writing that I can think of and only in the sense of we're talking about the writing rather than the actual story but I do appreciate how I'm going to make another mediator comparison I'm sorry <laughs> Because it is more about the superstitions and this natural magic, uh, I guess one thing that is nice about it is that it's just done. She just gets mm. on with it, and it feels very much like something that she has practiced, she has done before. Whereas a mediator, there's always an explanation that, oh, by the way, I see dead people. Uh, I talk to ghosts. Blah, blah 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 blah.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's something that stood out to me because. Uh, in this also like it feels kind of like she's introducing the ideas fairly naturally and it's kind of seamlessly moving on like you don't even realize when a certain bit has happened or like this momentous thing we have found out about a person it just it's casually thrown in Mm. and you almost don't realize it until you're like hold on a second
1: like what give us an example
0: like um, like even with this whole thing that happened with uh Jean and that uh her ex-boyfriend of hers that was from Iowa or whatever, mm. the way he was introduced, the whole thing that happened at the dance, um even the way that she she literally did say that like yeah, so kind of did cast a spell on him, but the way she said it and the way it was introduced that she did do some sort of magic was so natural. Like it almost felt like yeah, I saw this coming. We all we almost knew that it was going to go in this direction. Hmm.
1: I mean yeah I guess when they're in the ballroom at the dance and she's saying yeah I cast a spell on you and explaining it. Again there's no there's she's not very verbiose about it. Like there's not a lot of explanation. It's just this is it feels very natural in that sense. But this is a good segue for talking about her ex boyfriend. Because, oh my God, she was in such an abusive relationship with him. And everyone just she blames really her. Was. She blames herself because she of that really doll. Was. I don't like or understand why everyone was blaming her because of this doll. Even the people who, like, Zach did, doesn't believe in magic, but he just was like, I mean, he didn't fully believe the story either. That he was like, Oh, so you cast a spell on him. That's why he did that to you. Where where did everyone suddenly start believing magic? Like Chanel. Mm. Chanel didn't believe in magic, but she was like, Oh, you cast a spell on Zach, that's why he treated you like that. And it's like, no, she was in an abusive relationship. Really and if you you can't blame the doll for it, you can't blame her for it. It was awful. But she feels bad about it, like it was her fault because she messed with the magic. And I guess because she has the witchy powers yeah you shouldn't do magic that involves other people's will which is like you know
0: this reminds me of victim blaming
1: it is they're just blaming her because she had the doll
0: yeah and of course she's not well according to them she's probably not even good looking or good enough to have someone as good looking as him Dylan Dylan I think his name was
1: I think so, but he's so irrelevant. I don't remember properly. Yeah,
0: something with a D, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's call him Dylan for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but I think I his mean, name was Dylan. Even anyway. she
1: says in the narration that, oh, he paid attention to me, and that was a big thing because I was just a freshman, he was a senior. Like, he's significantly older than her in terms of high school. Oh my but she still. back the thing-
0: power dynamics.
1: It's unavoidable, mate. We're talking about teen relationships, in all these teen books. Like, but that is what happens mm-hmm. uh, in her story with him. So there's that aspect, but and then he starts uh, abusing that and trying to control her days. Um, but she sees it as literally, her fault because she made this doll.
0: Literally controlling her days because she's he's not even like. Allowing her to go meet her friends, watch yeah, like every loses single all her friends. game of hers, um, even though she was not in the slightest interested in watching any of these games.
1: And he even she even says that um, I think he would have, you know, kept me at home with him so we'd spend the evenings together if our parents hadn't uh, weren't going to object to that, but they did. So mm. that was the only time that she wasn't with him. Basically, when she went home to sleep. I just felt so bad for her.
0: I didn't even, you know, pay attention to it because I was just like, this is such an insignificant relationship anyway because clearly he was stupid and horrifying to her. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't even pay attention, but yeah, you're right.
1: I think, but it's insignificant, but it also informs how she behaves from the beginning. Like
0: yeah, when yeah. she is with 100%, Zach. 100%. 100%. And how she doesn't even believe the fact that Zach could even probably, even the slightest bit like her. Mm. It doesn't cross her mind ever. I just love the fact that Zach Rosen is such a decent human being. Like, such a sweetheart, honest to God, sweetheart. Zach Rosen is honestly such a down to earth person, even with his high GPA, uh, extremely smart fellow who's going to go to top colleges. Um, even with all that, he's still so kind.
1: Yeah, I really liked that at the beginning, she just assumes that Zach is in love with um, the au pair. Who Petra,
0: works, Petra?
1: Petra, who works at her uncle, aunt uncle's house. Um, so she lives with them. I mean, it's a big misunderstanding. It's a he huge
0: misunderstanding. Actually,
1: yeah, he doesn't actually care about Petra that much. Like you thinks she's good looking, but that's about it um but it's nice because it allows them to be friends because she's telling herself the whole time that oh he's not into me he's into Petra so it's fine I can relax around him
0: thank you for saying that because I think one thing that I really liked about this book uh and this is something that I remember from when I read it the first time um I really liked that they're friends and I really liked that relationship before he confessed to liking her yeah um I really just love their dynamic, the way they spoke to each other, the way he was just like, yeah, come, I'm coming with you to the metro because have you ever been in the metro? Like, it's crazy. You're not going alone. You will get lost. Um. So I just I just love it. Their entire friendship is just so sweet and how they just ditch classes together. It's, just, mm.
1: it's really funny because it seems so obvious. It seems so obvious to me reading it that he did like her. But because she was so convinced that he liked Petra and she carried on with this, oh, we're just friends thing, he just went along with it. Like she describes um, them having conversations about how he can get Petra, even though she has a boyfriend, how he can get her attention. And he just goes along with it. And he has these long conversations with her I, about I,
0: it. I was just looking for this one specific part in the book um, that I saved. Um, I think Zach just, i think they were talking and then zach has like this thing like this weird face that he makes that she figures out Jean sees and um they're talking about petra and i think about um petra's boyfriend coming or something like that mm-hmm. i don't remember the exact context and then um they're in sports so zach gets called off to go um
1: oh this is when they're playing dodgeball or is this the baseball one or
0: something and then she says, I leaned back against the bench and wondered what he could possibly have been about to say. Could Zach's feelings for Petra have changed? Had seeing her so excited about William's impending visit finally made him realize he'd never really had a chance with her? What was going <laughs> on? And I was just like, You, you remember how you, you said um, about like Joey and like, get there faster? Yeah. I felt like that, <laughs> I felt like that with her. Can you? Can you get on with it?
1: It's just kind of like, oh bless, so naive.
0: <laughs> Literally. And like I genuinely felt like that also because it's 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 like such a like innocent thing. Like you can see that she genuinely just can't think beyond him having feelings for Petra. Yeah. Because she has such low self-esteem at that point.
1: Mm. But the benefit is it allows them to build an actual friendship
0: yeah this is like uh what is the trend that like both main characters like each other but they're just idiots and they don't realize it this is that this is literally that
1: i like how he tells her at the end that i never said i liked petra you just assumed that based on gossip someone else said you just assumed all these things (laughs) you never asked me yeah even though in her head in the narration she's so convinced that oh he's in love with petra he has this undying love for her, even though she's got a boyfriend. So that sucks for him. <laughs> and he's right. She's never she
0: asked. <laughs> she just hears it from what's his face, that drug dealer friend of um, Tori.
1: The one who's always high. Yeah.
0: The That boyfriend, no? Of, um, yeah.
1: I think it's Chanel's that, boyfriend,
0: uh, Robert. Was it Chanel's boyfriend? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct correct the one who ditches the story and comes yeah that one Uh, she she just hears it from him and assumes that it's truth, and then just like moves on with that like yes of course of course he likes Petra like look how good looking Petra is and then sees oh yeah she's also saying that Petra is
1: really good looking how can anyone not like her
0: exactly and then Petra's so kind and sweet as well right like she's strong um, she sees Zach interacting with Petra one time and she's like Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's so totally in love with her. It's not even a joke at this point. Um, Just because Petra was like, oh, yeah, Zach took me to all these places when I first come to New York. Basically, it's Zach being Zach because we've established that Zach is a sweetheart. But Jinx doesn't know that yet. So, of course, she thinks that he's irrevocably in love with Petra. (laughs)
1: Whenever I think of the word irrevocably now, it just reminds me of Twilight. When she has when she has a oh I realised three things and then the third one is Shut up, is shut, up. You shut, up.
0: Shut, shut up Shut up. Shut up. Don't don't ruin this for me. <laughs> the other one used to word irrevocably. But I wasn't thinking of Twilight, was it? I can't
1: help it that you made me think of Twilight. But anyway, um
0: That's um Okay. How are you still my friend?
1: You know what though? We've talked about how she's really good at writing these really sweet male love interests, and oh, also that's a um, exception to the rule. A lot of the time, I feel like in YA literature,
0: they're usually very um, what's the moody, broody, yeah. cold, don't touch me.
1: Look at Edward. Look at Gale from The Hunger Games. Look at so many other people.
0: I can't think of the. Oh, I of can't head. begin to think of. Yeah. But, but my somehow writes approachable, actually likable male characters.
1: I remember, you know, with the Hunger Games, how everyone turned it into Team Peter versus Team Gale. Hardly anyone was mm. on Team Peter because they were like, oh, he's really nice and he's kind of boring and everyone was into Gale because he was moody and because he had the dark looks so yeah I think that perfectly that's a really great example of what we're talking about how everyone tends to go for those kinds of moody characters but she had a way of writing she has a way of writing these really nice male characters that people that you can you also can't make the argument that they're boring like people did for Peter
0: because they're not they're actually interesting yeah and Oh my God, can I point out one more thing? Um, I feel like, uh, I don't know if this is a general thing, but at least with Zach, um, you can see that he actually listens and cares yes. about what Jean is saying. Like and when she talks so, about
1: sister's names and he still remembers.
0: So refreshing. It is so refreshing to see that he's actually paying attention, Gives gives a shit about what she's saying. Has actually remembered everything that she has said to him. Um, like you said, about remembering all her sister's names, which is, come on, I don't remember even though I've read the book. Um,
1: <laughs> and I think you'd only met her a couple of times at that point.
0: Exactly. So it's just so refreshing to see that she's written a male character who still pays so much attention, is still caring, you know, loving in that sense. Mm. It's so nice. I really like Jean as a main character because curly hair representation, yay, red hair representation, and she's a musician, like an actually good musician. And I just, yeah, I just really like her character. I think she's very easily likable um, because she's such a silly um, sort of girl, very simple. Very sweet yeah very sweet
1: I knew as soon as I read the curly hair thing that you would like it and also um when they go to get makeovers before yes, the dance yes and the hairdresser yes, says no one is yes. to come anywhere near her would straighteners. do you hear me and he bans all the other hairdressers from touching her hair
0: and only put like a teeny little clip or something in the front and I was just like god bless you for what you have done to, for all curly hair people out there make ever just Oh, my God, I, I think as a teenager reading that it had a huge impact on me because I was like, wait, you can have curly hair. People can think it looks good. You don't have to iron it out. It was huge. I cannot tell you how good that felt as a teenager. Representation matters.
1: Speaking of representation, in a sense, uh, I really liked that Chanel ditched Tory and was just like, hey, you're nice. <laughs> Why don't you be my new best friend? <laughs> because it's such a—I mean, the way she asked and did it was so, just like simple. But as Jean yeah. points out, that that's Chanel, and it makes sense for her character. But it's really nice that that day, Jean goes over to her house and they're messing around and uh, doing updos and putting on makeup and they're doing this sort of stuff because they have a nice friendship and it is just—it's nice to see a Meg Cabot main character engaging in these girly things and being feminine even if she feels a bit uncomfortable with it she's happy to do it and it's nice to see an ultra feminine girl not being horrible and snobby and a rude popular girl it was really nice to see them being friends and to see that they can be friends
0: not only just not snobby rude um and whatever but also just not complicated fairly simple to understand very easygoing just knows what she wants and like says whatever she's got on her mind there's no there's nothing like there's no inner manipulating mind going on I love it
1: to the extent that she sees that her best friend Tori is behaving badly and isn't treating her right so she's like fine I just won't be friends with you if that's how you're gonna be yeah. And then goes up to Jinx and is like, hey, let's be friends because you're actually really nice.
0: Hmm. I loved it. I loved it. I loved that there was an actual, like, rich, privileged person that wasn't acting all uptight.
1: Yeah, especially because they do, like, Jean does mention that her aunt and uncle are very wealthy. They live in a good neighborhood. They're sending her to private school while she's staying with them. And Zach also attends that school. All the friends... All go to the school so they're all very wealthy teenagers like she gets given 50 dollars as a weekly allowance and uh she doesn't even have that many chores her chores are very the only
0: thing is cleaning out the litter or something and
1: emptying the dishwasher or something I mean, very minimal and her aunt and uncle are happy to give her 50 dollars. so this is a very wealthy world that she stepped into and she's not used to it because she hasn't grown up like this and she marvels at all the space and the fact that you know uh, kids turn up to school she's got her own room yeah, but none of these people are really mean only Tori's mean but Tori's not mean for any wealth related reasons like she does take jabs at her because of her lack of wealth but the real reason why she doesn't like Jean is because of magic related things
0: and because she's not embracing her magic and all that Yeah,
1: yeah no one is actually a mean rich person
0: That's a good point, which is nice, refreshing. I think overall, I feel like this book was really well written. Everything feels kind of natural. Um, It's introduced fairly seamlessly. There's no like, oh my God, where did that come from moment at any point of time. Um, Yeah, it just kind of seems like free flowing. So written really well. I forgot how good Meg is with her descriptions of things. It's so nice. Uh, like, the, like when she describes New York City, um, her room, uh, all of this is very nice.
1: Meg um, Cabot makes me want to go to New York.
0: Yes. And I think she's the only writer to do that.
1: I think there have been a couple of things that I've watched or read or whatever in my life that have really made me want to go to New York and maybe interest in the city and been influential in that way. One of them was Spider Man. <laughs> you mean Spider Man because he lives in New York. You can't have Spider Man anywhere <laughs> other than New York because he's useless without all the skyscrapers around.
0: No, I'm just I'm just laughing about the fact that it's Spider Man and not any of the other Avengers who are also American. <laughs>
1: But they, they're not from New York. Like, Spider-Man was, like, peak New York, swinging around Manhattan through all the skyscrapers. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, that's from when I was a kid. And then as a teenager, <laughs> as a young teenager, it was Meg Cabot. And the way she describes New York, Um, as an older teenager, it was Gossip Girl. Mm. But Meg Cabot was definitely a big influence.
0: There. I think for me, it was solely Meg Cabot, because... I mean, especially because I'm from India, Um, New York City is anyway hyped up as hell. But Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really see the appeal in it until I started reading her books. And I was like, wait, it actually sounds like a very nice place. I want to go. Coming back to my basic overall points about Jinx. um, I really liked that at the core, um, this was essentially a story about self-acceptance and self-love i absolutely just i cannot overstate or understate how much i love that um because at the end it was just about embracing herself for who she is and everything kind of once she realized i mean of course yes it was hinged more from like a magic perspective but even that like we were talking about in the beginning is done so fairly like normally it doesn't seem like it's 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 not like Matilda or you know Harry Potter where it's like oh I have to actually accept that I'm a wizard um but she just has to accept that these are parts of what makes her her and when she does it's so nice like it's nice to read as a teenager
1: it's nice to read even now because ultimately even though it's about her accepting her powers it just comes down to self-acceptance like you as a reader can replace magic with whatever you want and whatever suits yeah, you
0: because at the end it was just about fear turned inward fear yes. of who I really was and that fear can be anything and after right? she
1: gets over it like everything falls into place because she's not letting her fear control her anymore
0: I think like you said it was nice to read even now um because when I was reading it I could see areas where I could probably apply this understanding of fear Um, and it was just yeah very very nice. I think this book had a very wholesome feel to it.
1: Which is appropriate because she's from rural midwest.
0: Yes. U.S. Oh actually yes.
1: I feel like I thought of things where I could apply this you know where I could start looking inward and start undoing that fear um I can't remember them off the top of my head but it's definitely got me thinking about
0: it that's for sure that's a good enough start right like at least if you can start to think about areas that you know what am I afraid of um
1: you just need to spot that
0: whole yeah start that whole discovery of like okay there isn't really much to be afraid of it's okay ultimately
1: this is part of it you is all just, and yeah, it's what makes you exactly. you so you being afraid of something is you being afraid of yourself yeah which is no way to go through life
0: well this just turned into like two mothers telling a child <laughs> that, okay beta you can um, be successful in life don't worry beta
1: i'd rather think um, of us as like big sisters giving a pep talk <laughs> rather than mothers what is wrong with you
0: <laughs> um <laughs>
1: on that note we can end this episode
0: <laughs> please enough <laughs> basically i think this was just a very wholesome book and i really enjoyed rereading it after so long
1: i enjoyed reading it for the first time it was good
0: i'm glad you liked it
1: yeah i definitely don't regret it in no way
0: really glad you liked it so what's the next book we're reading again
1: uh we talked about all american girl also by meg cabot because now we've read jinx we're kind of on the train. But you know what, Jinx, I also it also occurred to me that Jinx serves as a nice um, bridge between Twilight and the supernatural world there and then moving into
0: normal teen fiction.
1: Yeah, it's still Cabot, but it's still supernatural, so it's a nice yeah. flow we've created.
0: So whatever um, I, vague memory I have of all American girls is that it's fairly rooted in reality. Yeah. There's no supernatural elements going on.
1: And that's what I remember as well.
0: Yeah, so let's see. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you very much for listening.
0: You can find our social media on Instagram at DialUp Book Club.
1: Come join us. We post memes and fun things. It's an all-around good time.
0: There's a lot of memes.
1: This is our final episode for 2021. So the next time you hear us will be in 2022. So early happy new year to everybody
0: and a merry christmas
1: and a merry christmas for those celebrating
0: basically happy festivities yes
1: happy festivities <laughs> i like that i much refer that to the um happy holidays thing that they say in america merry what was it you said happy festivities
0: happy festivities
1: i like that and on that note see you in 2022 thanks for listening bye bye